As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. We are now just one week away from the 2022 NFL Draft, where the Buffalo Bills hold the 25th overall pick of the first round. A few other picks besides those, and the intrigue has reached its peak. I think. I think it's it's at the point now where people are just like, okay, just just start the thing. Um, and you know, I'm I. I'm not there because I'm insane, but hey, you know, I I, I get the, the draft fatigue around this time of year. Uh, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everybody, for jumping on for another episode here at The Athletic. And joining me this, this episode, I'm saying episode a lot, is none other than my good friend. He is the uh, sports director over at Channel 7, WKBW in Buffalo. You heard him this past season, after the games, uh, breaking down each of the uh, the Bills matchups, whether it was the Jaguars' loss or the uh, the big victories down the stretch of the season, so Matt Beauvais is here to join us. Matt, thanks for uh, jumping on one more time here. Of course, Joe. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I miss our weekly talks. Uh, <laughs> you're you're acting as though we don't we text, don't like, yeah every day every. Well, I I think like hourly <laughs> yeah it's not point. even every day you you're probably you and our other friends are probably the most texted people in my phone like I definitely talk oh, to yeah. you guys more than I talk to my wife which is maybe an issue but I think she'd probably be okay with it too she gets sick of me yeah but I mean you live with her so that's I mean, true you, you, you guys you guys can talk all the time that is um true. yeah I'm, I'm I'm in the same boat so uh Mr. Beauvais has joined me on this episode because yesterday we just heard from Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, Von Miller, Brandon Bean, uh, as the Bills are kicking into their off-season activities. And I think the, the big ticket item of the day was Brandon Bean, obviously, because a week and a day ahead of the actual draft itself, it's going to be the last time he talks at a news conference until after they have picked um, their their first round guy, uh, if they pick a first round guy, um, yeah. but uh, it was illuminating in some senses, kind of dull in other senses. So I'm just this is kind of an open ended conversation because I think people are always interested to to know like you know just just what we're thinking about what what Brandon Bean kind of laid down and. Um, for you, what kind of stood out more than than anything with with Bean and and what he had to say, whether it be draft related, trade related, guys who may or may not be there? What uh, what was the thing that that you took away more than anything from Brandon Bean? I don't think this was necessarily a surprise, but I did think it was interesting that he told us they have less than thirty two grades for first round picks. And to me, that makes me think they are either going to be aggressively try, trying to move up to get somebody who they have a first round grade on, or 
potentially moving back, maybe even out of the first round and getting some value and maybe adding some more day two picks because they think that those guys are practically the same as the person they might take at 25. Now, that does not mean let's we're making up a number here. Let's say they have 25 first round graded players. You know, chances are there's going to be guys that go ahead of them that they don't have graded first round picks with. So there's going to be somebody available for them to take if that's what they want. But if they are going into this draft with the mindset of, all right, we're going to get a player who's going to plug and play and start for us as we try and win a Super Bowl next year. I think the time is now maybe to move up. And a lot of people don't like the idea of moving up. But to me, when you've got eight draft picks as it currently stands, those eight guys aren't going to make the team. Maybe that means you get a little creative. You move up five spots or so. You get a guy who you think can make an immediate impact, and then you call it a day. So I think it was interesting that he told us that they don't have 32 grades for first, you know, 32 players graded as first-round picks. And I think he's going to be aggressive in this draft. And I think that could go two ways. He could be aggressive and either move up, or he could just be aggressive and make trades and give them even more options, more lottery tickets, as they call them, in the second and third round. See, I found that I found that whole kind of back and forth about about the trade thing after the the thirty two comment kind of interesting because by the end of it, like when he was initially starting, it's like, oh, maybe they're going to trade up, and then, then oh, they're maybe they're going to trade down. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, when I was going back and listening to it, I'm like, he just said nothing. <laughs> he He's literally good at that. said nothing. He's good. At he that. just laid he just laid out every single option he could possibly have. And I think the the counterpoint that I might have to um, you know, conceivably trading down, like trading up, sure, uh, which he has been known to do. And if they feel like somebody is a first-round value that is not going to be there in five picks time, seven picks time, whatever the case, um, then sure, I could I could see them moving up. But what was interesting about the, the trade-down fascination is they're probably not the only team, and I would I would wager that the majority of teams have a similar amount of first round graded players. Yeah. The, the ability to trade down is what sprang to mind more than anything. Because if, if the NFL is kind of looking at it the same way, the only real thing that's going to generate a huge jump up the board is, you know, a quarterback or, you know, a big time position, a big time premium position. And that intrigue about the quarterbacks just isn't there this year. I mean, we're, we're talking about guys like, Kenny Pickett, um, mm-hmm. Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral. Like, nobody's really moving the meter. It it feels a lot like the 2013 draft, right yes, down to the does. point. Right yes, down to the point of where Carolina, who lacks both a second and third round pick, the big rumor is now, hey, they might move down and take a quarterback. It's like, wow, it really is 2013 because the Bills did that freaking exact same thing with EJ Manuel. So that's where it kind of complicates it for me because I don't know if they'll be able to move down to where they go. I, I even remember Brandon Bean kind of snuck it into the end of his answer. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll move down if we can. <laughs> like, yeah. If, if we can was a big qualifier. So they might be forced to sit there and pick at 25. If, even if that player doesn't have a first round grade, that's kind of the challenge of this year's draft. Why it's so wide open and I'd be interested to know if that specific situation comes up to where they're sitting at 25, they don't have a first round grade on anybody, no one's really interested in moving down, like, after the fact, are they going to come out and say, oh, we had a first round grade on them? Or, yeah. <laughs> like, you would will. think they would, but... Of course they will. But, I don't know, it's just it's just kind of funny. Like, he, he said, yeah, we had a first round grade on Greg Rousseau last year. I'm like, Did okay. You? Did cool. You? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to believe you, but like he was 30th overall pick and a lot of people had him in the second round last year. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just it's just kind of where my mind took me as he was talking yesterday. I think the idea if you can trade back is kind of intriguing because let's say you add another second round pick and then you add maybe a third round pick or whatever it is, however it works itself out. What's but, the range you're willing to move down is is what I would ask to anyone who who is thinking about this. I guess it would depend how the board falls, but I would think like to like the late thirties, early forties would be fine. Okay. Okay. So in my mindset is there's a lot of guys who we have seen tied to the bills or who seem like a good idea for the bills 
but maybe 25 is a little bit too high to take them. So if you're going to move back and maybe you love Brees Hall, or maybe you mm-hmm. really like Sky Moore, like now you can take two cracks at players in that kind of realm rather than having to use the 25th pick on that. And that's not to say that would be a terrible pick or anything like that, but maybe they're going into this draft like, okay, we've got these graded players. They get to like 20 and they're like, yeah, I really don't really think we're in a good position. Let's move back. And then you're sitting there at 40, 41, whatever. And you're like, okay, well now we can take Brees Hall and we can have our running back for the next four years. And we've added this other pick. Now let's draft Sky Moore and we've got a receiver. And then the next couple rounds, they can do boring stuff like drafts, defensive line, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, whatever they really need to do stuff that isn't as fun. So I might be just as intrigued about moving back this year as I am about moving up. That being said, it also depends on how aggressive they're willing to be. If he's like, Oh, we're getting into the top 10. Like that's interesting. That costs two your first round pick next year. But Mm -hmm. if there's a guy you love and you want to go all in for this year, then do it. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of names that I think are worthy of that consideration based on Bean's history and what he has targeted when he's he's tried to move up. But I want to just go back to the the trade back point just slightly because I think it really depends on which guy that that they're targeting above all else. The thing I keep coming back to with someone like Brees Hall, for instance, which has become a buzzy name. And I'm sorry about that because I, I think that I've I've probably been saying his name a lot over the last month or so. But I it's because I think it's a legitimate possibility for the Bills. And if they were into the idea of him, you know, there's a lot to like there. I mean, explosive, super patient, uh, brings the the zone running skills with the ability to hit the home run that that they don't have on the roster, the pass catching ability, which is super important, the contact balance. Like this guy has a lot of the attributes you're looking for, and he could develop into a, a top flight running back in, in the league. If if you're targeting that guy and, and you think he can be a difference maker in your system, I kind of wonder if it's just not more worth their time to just sit there at, at 25 and pick him and, and don't risk it. Only because when you get into the early second round, that's when things really start to go haywire. Like it opens up the possibility of teams having a full night of sleep and being like, oh, we got to be aggressive and go up and get this guy. So, and even at the early second round, you have teams like the Jets, the the Texans, the Giants, all right in a row, all who could take a, a running back. And then the Jaguars and the Lions are at the top of the second round. Who's to say they don't deal out of those picks to for a for a ransom and and then you know someone moves up the board to take Brees Hall and then because the Bills move back a little bit too far it's it it puts them out of contention and I know the the easy response would be oh well then just take Kenneth Walker but yeah the thing the thing I kind of wonder about Kenneth Walker is we haven't heard about a lick of interest from the Bills and Kenneth Walker like not a not a visit not like a meeting of any kind. It just hasn't been there. And they they have met with running backs that have been more uh, apt to the zone scheme, which is like Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, because th- both those guys have been running it. And I think those are probably the two running backs I'm looking at more than anything for the Bills. Not saying Walker couldn't happen, but I don't know if if they have Hall rated so much higher than than Walker. I kind of just wonder if it's just more worth their time. Like, what's the difference between taking Hall at twenty five and moving down to you know thirty five and taking him and risking it? Like, is what are they getting out of that? Are they getting a second round pick? No. Are they getting a third round pick? Sure, but is that player going to be? as make up for the difference of maybe losing out on that guy. That's, that's just kind of the, the give and take that you have to, you have to factor in. So if they really like the guy, I would just say, sit there and take him. And not, not to say it's Brees Hall or nothing else, but it just kind of goes along the same lines for, for almost any position. Well, and I think you could make the same, you could have the same 
conversation with potentially wide receivers and if they are interested in taking a wide receiver and we've heard them tied to Sky Moore and you think 25 is too high for him but let's say you have him rated right there with like the guys mm-hmm. like Burks and Olave and people in that realm and you're like okay we're cool waiting like we want one of these guys we don't really care which one then maybe that becomes the focus at your first second round pick and then you use the later second round pick to take one of those running backs assuming they still like those other guys whether it's you know Spiller Walker um, Cook whoever it happens to be like maybe those are the plays that they try to do I, I think he's going to be aggressive and Every year, it feels like he's making a trade in some capacity around the draft. I don't think, let's see, well, he traded up for Cody Ford. He, remember the year? the NFL, Knox. Yeah, traded, Dawson, up for Knox. traded up for Knox. Remember Tried the, to trade up for Zach Moss. Yeah. Didn't. Remember the year that they took Ed Oliver? There was a bunch of rumblings before the draft that they were trying to yep. get up to like three for Quinn and Williams or something. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. who knows if that's true or not? I'm sure they were thrilled with being able to stay put and get Oliver, but... I think based off of the moves we've seen them make this entire offseason, and Bean specifically said this yesterday, like none of the moves I have made signify us going all in on just this year. We want to be competitive for years to come. And I understand that mindset, but very clearly they know the window that they're in and they know what happens to Josh Allen's cap hit next year. So if there's a time to be aggressive, it's now. And I could Mm -hmm. absolutely see them doing that if there's maybe a corner they love Maybe they love Kyle Hamilton and he starts to slip a little bit. And that brings us Mm -hmm. to the whole Jordan Poyer thing. Maybe they love, I I don't know, one of the wide receivers. And they're like, that's going to be our guy for the next five years. And we're going to have a cost controlled stud who's across from Stefan Diggs. I mean, it's, it's an interesting draft because like you said, there isn't a lot of sizzle with the names at the top of the board for around the league. But I think that kind of benefits the Bills because they are in a position where they could really just go any which way they want with the best player, and they might get a guy who can make a pretty significant impact. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Kyle Hamilton part of it is the exact representation of the type of prospect Brandon Bean usually likes to make a jump up for, right? Like elite skill set, maybe not at a um, a highly valued position, but I think back to, I know it's not the exact same trade because the, the cost of doing businesses would probably wind up being different, but Tremaine Edmonds was kind of in the same way where he's just, there was nobody like him at that middle linebacker spot and how they projected him. And rather than sitting around and waiting, I think at, what were they at 21 or 22 before they moved up to 16? Um, they, they said, screw it. We're, we're going up to, to get that guy. So Hamilton is interesting because his range is, all over the place. Yeah. Like I I look somewhere that some places that still have him top five. Um, some some places have him uh settling in at eight to Atlanta, eleven to Washington. Then he sometimes he gets down to 13 to Houston, sometimes to 15 to, to Philadelphia. Like it, it, the the range of outcomes are crazy. I tend to to trust um a few different voices in terms of like mock drafts and you know, trying to to read things that way. The one thing that kind of stood out to me with uh, with Hamilton is I recently watched like a a YouTube compilation mock draft with Daniel Jeremiah, where he he went on. I think um, it was 
on this guy Bengals channel and he they kind of went like a back and forth pick and Jeremiah dropped the nugget he's like I think uh Hamilton could be available in the teens which is interesting because that at that point it becomes a little bit more realistic to where they could jump up from 25 and maybe not give away their first round pick next year maybe it's the 57th overall to be able to do it uh, maybe a little bit on top of that I'd have to check uh, the the chart I use is the Pat's pulpit chart which is the um, they they put together uh, I think this was back in like 2018 or 2017 they put together uh, previous trades and the and you know kind of concocted values based on all of that um, let's see to move up from 25 to say 13 would cost around what uh what would be the 51st overall pick so it would it would it would essentially be that um, for yeah yeah so they would just have to put a little bit on top of it so from that perspective i think like okay kyle hamilton is super intriguing because he's got the the versatile skill set and i talked about this on the last episode with with elena getzenberg of espn uh, and I think I converted her to, to the idea because it's it's so interesting because Poyer's on the final year of his deal. It doesn't seem like the Bills are in a hurry to pay him, um, clearly, because all of that stuff with him and Rosenhaus happened on April 8th, and it's April 21st, and Brandon Bean said yesterday, uh, yeah, we're just focused on the draft. <laughs> um, there was more to it, which we'll get into later, but Hamilton just freak size speed fluidity fluidity combo um you can use him as a sub package linebacker you can use him uh, at nickel against a tight end you can't use him as a boundary corner so don't think he can do that but you know he can play free safety he's got he's got great range and he showed that um he's he's probably best suited to that strong safety role that jordan poyer plays so that's that's like to me where some people think he's a top five player. I think he's the type of player that the Bills would clearly have a high first round grade on. So if he falls into the teens, I don't know. I, I think I think there's some some possibility there. Do you think instead of giving up draft assets, they would be willing to give up Jordan Poyer? See, that's that's one thing that I was intrigued about. Um, I don't know, only because who out there is trading a pick like that or maybe just you know trading down and then with the intention of paying a 31 year old safety what amounts to be 15 million or more per season yeah i know it's it's a tough thing because i mean we can get right into the player stuff what what I found interesting on multiple levels is that the Bills really didn't give like any inclination other than we want Jordan here that they were going to play ball. And they don't, I mean, they, they say they don't negotiate through the media and they, they don't, but you can always kind of tell when they want to do something mm -hmm. like back, back in March, um, I believe Bean was on WGR and, and said, you know, down the line, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll look to get something done. Let me let me get the exact quote so I'm not paraphrasing, just so I don't make a complete fool of myself here. Uh, I just posted it in the article I wrote today over at the Athletic for um, my bean takeaways. Let me skim down real quick. Sorry, this is incredible um, Podcast. podcasting. Okay, he said. Quote, you can definitely know we will look at Steph's contract at some point and see if there is something that makes sense for both sides. So that is at least an admission of intent. Mm -hmm. Like it's not particularly strong, but you could always tell that they were trying. And, and Stefan Diggs was one of the ones that he referenced when he talked about like, you know, just like with Steph and Josh, you know, we don't get We don't really negotiate through the yeah. media. But he, but like with Josh, too. It, Everyone, like you could you could hear it in yeah. in Bean's answers, like, oh, he's 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 probably going to want to get this done pretty soon. None of that was there with Poyer um, when he was asked by uh, when he was asked about you know 
take the money aside from it, projecting him at that age into the future, Bean's like, well, I look at it as the now. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is interesting because he talked about previously with Von Miller, you know, we th- we feel like um, uh, pass rushers project well into their 30s. And then when asked about, um, I think I asked him the question about, you know, when do you have to just like put up a wall and, and say, I can't pay everybody. He's like, you know, more than just Jordan have expressed a desire to yeah. to talk about their contract. And it was just kind of clumped together. So it just never really felt like there was intent there, which makes me wonder if, A, there's a short-term solution here to get him in camp. Maybe it's just like a, okay, here's a couple million bucks for this year, but we're still going to move on at the end of the year. Yeah. Or does Poyer go, that's not good enough for me. You know, I want to be, this is my last crack at it. I don't know what's going to happen this season. Um, could get hurt. You know, level of play could go down. I mean, that's, that's a certain possibility after an all pro season. He's trying to capitalize on an all pro year. But the only thing is with the NFL, and you know this just as much as I do, like contracts are about projecting into the future. Yeah. It's not about what you've done previously. Yeah. And so I think that's where kind of the, the give and take is here where the values might not align between a team and player. I lumped all, and it's probably not fair to do this, but I lumped Jordan Poyer into the group with Jordan Poyer, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, and Dawson Knox. And I think of all of those players eventually needing new contracts. And I go down the line and I go, okay, which player is the most likely to get paid by this team once they need a new deal? And the name that I always come to first is probably Ed Oliver because of the impact he makes Mm, on the defensive line. I don't think it's going to be like a record-breaking contract because, you know, the numbers tell a different story than the film tells, but we can all agree that he's a very important player to this defense. And then... He's going to be a stud next year, by the way. Yeah, and I mean, because now he's... Lock it in. He's going to be a stud. So now he's got some help. So I go with Ed Oliver, number one. And then probably after that, I go with Dawson Knox because of his age. Well, I mean, you could say Tremaine Edmonds too, but because of his age, probably what his contract's going to look like because of the chemistry he has with Josh Allen and because he has continuously ascended in this offense. And I don't see a reason why that's going to end anytime soon. I mean, the Bills fastball is their passing game and Dawson Knox is one of Josh Allen's favorite targets. You keep guys like that around, especially because it's not going to be like, you know, top five tight end in the NFL money or anything like that. You sure? I mean, maybe, maybe. I still don't think he's there. You seen the tight end money that they gave out this year? I know. I, I don't. It was kind of crazy. I don't think he's there yet. Maybe another season will yeah. put him into that realm. Um, and, and then obviously with Tremaine Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds might be the most polarizing player on this entire roster. Some people think he's an absolute freak. Some people think that he makes way too many mistakes, but he is still like a child basically and has tons of years of NFL ahead of him. And the way that they talk about Tremaine Edmonds, I think is a lot different than the way that some fans talk about Tremaine Edmonds. So I think the likelihood that he's back is much higher then it probably would be in the fan base because of his age, because of the importance he has to the defense, because the familiarity they have with him. And then that takes us down all the way to the bottom of the list to Jordan Poyer. And I am not taking away anything that this guy has meant to the turnaround of the Buffalo Bills, to how good of a player he's been. I mean, we said it multiple times this year. He and Micah Hyde were maybe their most important players on defense during you know their run at the end of the season. But to pay a guy who's going to be 31 years old $15 million a year is bad business. So Mm -hmm. if that means they can meet somewhere in the middle and they're like, all right, Jordan, we'll give you a two-year extension after this deal and we're going to give you a ton of guaranteed money and we're going to be able to figure it out from there, then maybe he does that. Maybe it's a one-year extension that keeps him under contract for the same amount of time as Micah Hyde and then they can figure it out as they go along. I don't see necessarily that happening. I get it from both sides. From the Poyer side, you're about to be 31. You're coming off an all-pro season. You're coming off the best season you've ever had in the NFL. You've all of a sudden become a household name for football fans who really like the sport. Casual fans around the NFL probably don't know who Jordan Poyer is, but football fans who are a little more dialed in know who he is. And he's one of the best safeties in the league. Go get your big payday because this is going to probably be your last big fat contract that you sign. But for the Bills... When you do what you've done by signing Von Miller, by signing Stefan Diggs, by signing Josh Allen, eventually you're going to have to make sacrifices. And I think that whether you agree with it or not, I think that he might be high on the list of players who they might just let walk. Yeah, 
I, I think you bring up a lot of great points there. And I'm, I, I think, I think where you might get slight pushback just from people who are listening is just like, okay, I, they probably prioritize Poyer to Edmonds, but I, I, like you astutely pointed out, I'm not sure that that's what the internal belief is. Um, Edmonds turns 24 on May 2nd. I know people get tired of hearing about his age, but it's ridiculous because he is younger than like a handful of draft prospects this mm -hmm. year. And he's going into his fifth season, which is just stupid. Um, but he's someone that they still believe in. And it's, it's a big year for him in it. And I don't know. It's that it's necessarily like locked in that the, that he's going to resign um, at the end of the season. But I think they want to have the option yeah. to do it. Like, so the, this Poyer stuff, it is, it, it goes against general logic to give a, you know, a top, I'll say, 10 safety. Yeah. Maybe top 15 if, if, uh, I'd have to really look at, at the list of safeties throughout the league. I mean, I don't, I'm not really breaking down film from from most other teams other than the Bills, but he's he's a he's a high level strong safety. The logic behind paying a safety fifteen plus million dollars per year, entering age thirty one season, and knowing that there's probably going to be a drop off at some point, um, it's just it's kind of asking for trouble. A little bit. So I think the only plausible solution that that I can see is to get him where he wants to be this year, maybe at a void year, just to just to kind of make it work. And then, you know, move on your own merry way rather than extending him through next season because I do like their setup that they have the expiration of their safeties their 30 plus year old safeties staggered from one year to the next to where you know they can develop somebody uh one year while still having Hyde there and then you know maybe they have to figure out who their starting safeties are in 2023 and beyond or 2024 and beyond excuse me like that seems like a, a pretty solid solution so I, I think there's a path to them kind of meeting in the middle here with Poyer. But, you know, does he want to meet in the middle? That's that's what I keep coming back to. Like, he fired the guy that got him his last extension conceivably because he wasn't happy with, with what was happening or maybe some of the time that it was taking because he didn't want to wait for that money. He's, you know, seeing... Miller getting that huge contract from the Bills, seeing Stefan Diggs sign a huge extension. I don't necessarily think it was a coincidence that uh, the news that he switched agents came on the same day that Stefan Diggs signed his extension. I mean, it, it was peculiar timing at best. Um, and the fact that he went to Rosenhaus, who, you know, Brandon Bean said he has a really good relationship with and he's worked with a bunch Make no mistake, Rosenhaus is a power broker, and people go to him when when they want to get stuff done. Yeah. And since then, Rosenhaus reached out to a couple of reporters, Tim Graham uh, at The Athletic being one of them, saying, we have approached the Bills about an extension. Yeah. Okay. Not the other way around. And also, um, we haven't heard a peep since. So, and all we heard from from being yesterday was, you know, kind of like, like we talked about before, put, you know, putting him in the same bucket as a lot of guys who were talking, wanted to talk about their contracts in the off season and, um, and, and say, we're, we're focused on the draft right now. It's just, there's, it's not like, Hey, this guy's going to get traded. This guy's going to get released, everything like that. They want him there, but they want him there on their terms. I think is the way that it really stood out what do you think is the most likely way that this ends i guess that would be a semi win for both sides because there's going to have to be some give and take and i think right now what you said about the one giving him a little bit more money this year to get him to just kind of mm -hmm. come and do his thing and then they figure it out after this year is interesting mm -hmm. but i don't know if he would sign up for that i don't know if that's what i mean so like 
Is there a way that these two sides you think could meet on some sort of short-term extension that pays him a little bit more? Maybe he gets extended to stay one year past Hyde. That also brings up the conversation of which player do you want to have for the longer amount of time? Like I'd rather have Hyde. So there you go. Myself. Myself. I think I think he's he's more impactful to the defense and his presence is more impactful to the defense. Now Poyer's very important, don't get me wrong. But Hyde, there is something, there's a special quality about his game that you're gonna have a tough time replacing. Um and if you want any example possible, I know just go back to that freaking interception. Yep. I know. I mean, his range, his instincts, how he responds to plays, like on that plate. He took a false step and still made it up and and took the ball away. Like there are not a lot of of dudes that can do that, especially not ones that are in their 30s. Like he his his game is going to age so gracefully into into his 30s. So I would I would rather have Hyde, but I don't know if they really have to answer that question. Yeah. Like Go ahead. I mean, here's here's the best case scenario. And obviously, like this is the best case scenario is that the Bills go and they win a Super Bowl this year. Jordan Poyer can be part of the team that wins the Super Bowl, puts a bow yeah. on his time with the Buffalo Bills. And then they say, you're a legend with this team for the rest of your life. Go sign your fat contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars for the next four years. And then <laughs> they are figuring out what they're doing with the same. Like that would be the best case scenario, obviously, for the Bills. For Jordan Poyer, I truly do think that he wants to stick around. Like, I don't think Drew Rosenhaus is just saying yeah. this stuff. Because yeah. I think he wants. Likewise. I think because he knows the he knows the defense. He's comfortable in the system. He's comfortable with the coaching staff. He's obviously had tons of success. I mean, when the Bills signed Jordan Poyer from Cleveland a couple of years ago, he was a nice player, but he was not one of the ten or fifteen best safeties in the NFL. That also brings us. We're, I'm rambling a little bit here, but that also brings us to I think Sean McDermott's just kind of ability to get the most out of members of the secondary. And that's why I think they might feel like they can move on or go with a cheaper option or a younger player, because they feel like we can put somebody in a position to win, or at least a position to do above average while we still have this other stud for one more year. And then we figure it out. And that's why the cornerback thing in the first round is interesting because like, yes, Mm -hmm. I think it's probably the most likely thing that happens. Happens, but look at their track record. Stravius White was a late first round pick. That was Sean McDermott's pick before Bean got hired. But Levi Wallace was an undrafted free agent who did totally fine for the years that he was here. Dane Jackson was a seventh round pick who did an okay job when he was in the starting lineup. I think they believe in themselves to go out and find depth options, especially at the cornerback position. So maybe that opens up other things. And that that's for cornerbacks for safeties, for Nichols, Taron Johnson, Saran Neal, all these guys who play big roles on this team all have been later picks besides Tredavious White. So it's a, it's a very interesting conversation. I did not think two or three months ago that Jordan Poyer was going to be the one lingering question as we get into like mandatory workouts and training camp, but it feels like we might be heading that way. Yeah, um, and until until they do something about it, it's it's going to hover for a bit here. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail 
retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash The Athletic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's a good transition into cornerbacks. Hey, you should do the whole TV thing. You're kind of good at uh, transitions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, the the cornerback conversation is interesting because I'm sure you read it just as much as I do. Fans want cornerback. That is like, all right, it's the only spot that they haven't addressed, everything like that. I wrote a pretty lengthy, like, historical analysis of what they've done uh, at the cornerback two position since Bean and McDermott have gotten there. And it's a lot of what you were talking about. Like, they have, at times painfully, de-emphasized the position to the point where they uh, they have just tended to try and get by because they have an inherent trust in their development uh, system with the defensive backs. And there's plenty of examples of that uh, with the safeties that they had in place with Tredavious White being the star corner, taking up one side of the field, Taron Johnson developing into what he has become. And because they value defensive line and linebacker play more than they probably do cornerback. So it, it brings us to the point where, okay, is that position worth it to them you know keeping in mind the Tredavious White stuff and keeping in mind that Dane Jackson was hit or miss uh, I think is the way that that I would say it with him last year but it it brings up the philosophical debate and just what seeing how they have gotten by with one-year deals on veteran guys like the some of the names are really funny um 2017 they traded for EJ Gaines in the uh, what was it the Watkins deal um, and it was just like a, a throw in. It was an expiring deal. He ends up starting the whole year for them. Yeah. Um, then, then he came back on a one-year deal in 2019. There was also Sharice Wright, who they had in 2017. In 2018, it was the man, the myth, the legend, Vontae Davis and Philip Gaines. Mm-hmm. Kevin Johnson in 2019. Josh Norman in 2020. And, and then in 2021, you know who it was? Levi Wallace. They brought him back on a on a low cost one year deal to compete with with their young guy Dane Jackson, and so now Dane Jackson has kind of assumed the Levi Wallace role, and they believe in Dane Jackson. I think it's still a possibility that they take a corner at twenty five. I really do. It's just a it's just a matter of if the right player is there. I don't know if they value it so highly that they're going to be willing to move up the board to get a guy like. The player would have they would have to think that player is going to become a star if if they're moving up to get a corner. Um, I would tend to think that they would move up to get something that they don't have on their roster, and they do have a really stinking good cornerback on their team in Tre'Davious White when he's healthy. Um, things that they they don't have, you know, they have mostly everything, but like. The Kyle Hamilton ideas, like the one pie in the sky, they don't have something like that on their team. Uh, and e- even if they don't trade up, just the first round picks in general, Brandon Bean is usually swinging for the fences. Every single one of his picks, go down the list. Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau. Those are all home run swings because they see high level traits, pretty young ages, and, you know, they are genetically gifted. Yeah. Is one of these cornerbacks going to fulfill all those requirements? These are that's the kind of critical thinking. Yes, Matt. I love the transition. Thank you, Joe. You should have done this TV thing before. I have a couple <laughs> things to say because I think you set Go me on. up well. Sean McDermott said yesterday, when asked specifically about the cornerbacks, that the guys at the top of the draft have some really interesting skill sets, and they wish they could combine some of those skill sets into one player, which was telling to me to think, okay, maybe there's somebody there that they like, but there's not somebody there that they absolutely love. Now, this is what they've done, as you outlined, for several years. 
It was also brought up yesterday, and you've been talking about him for months. I think the perfect way of addressing the cornerback position is going out and signing somebody like Joe Hayden on a one-year mm-hmm. deal to come in here and start opposite Dane Jackson until Tredavious White is ready to go and ready to be 100% healthy. Then you have your veteran guy and you have Tredavious White. And then if there's any sort of injury stuff, then you just roll with Dane Jackson like you did this past year. And then to go to your point of what does this team not have, and I know this is the rich getting richer, but Jamison Williams is mm. such a fun idea for this offense. You have an elite route runner in Stefan Diggs. You have Gabriel Davis who can do a little bit of everything, who I think is going to be a really, really good player in this league when given the opportunity. But Jamison Williams seems to have those traits that this roster does not currently have, and that's why he would be so intriguing. So I am not suggesting the Bills should be giving up a first-round pick next year to move up to the teens to be able to get him. But if that dude starts to slide a little bit, not even slide, if he's sitting there at like 19 or 20 and you're like, well, there's teams ahead of us that I think could be interested in him, that's when I think you make the move. Because how in, in, like they have the luxury of being able to ease him into the offense coming off the injury. Like if that guy's not ready to go until October and he's 100, whatever, you're fine. You're already set. And then it all of a sudden helps your depth significantly if one guy goes down. I know we don't want to talk about this, but like since Stefan Diggs has been a member of the Buffalo Bills, he has been healthy the entire time. Gabriel Davis has been healthy the entire time. The depth chart looks a lot different if one of those two guys gets dinged up for any amount of time. Because yeah, then all of true. a sudden it's Stefan Diggs, Jamison Crowder in the slot, and McKenzie. Well, yeah, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. a Kumara, like, you know what I mean? They they've used McKenzie outside before. Yeah, like like before last year, he was mostly an outside receiver. But I I get where you're coming from because that that depth isn't there, and they're looking for that speed option. Um, I will say it's Thursday, April 21st. If you had to ask me today, I think Jamison Williams going in the top 10 picks. Um, yeah, and because there's too many teams up there, like Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, the Jets at 10. I think Garrett Wilson might end up going higher than we expect. So there's some, I, you know, don't rule out Carolina moving down to um, to eventually take their quarterback like we talked about and like a team moving up to take a receiver. Mm-hmm. Like these are possibly, these receivers I think are going to go pretty early. Um, and I think the the fifth guy, Burks, I'm not, I'm not sure he's on the board by the time the Bills are picking at 25. Um, so, you know, Williams is, it seems like the the conversation around him has kind of corrected itself a little bit. So how aggressive are they willing to get for a receiver when they just, when they have Gabe Davis, when they have Stefan Diggs locked up for so, for, locked in for so many years. Um, that's, that's my only hesitation. I think, you know, later round receivers are certainly in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, although I kind of wonder if maybe they just don't take a receiver this year as wild as that is to say only because like they have four guys that are probably that are their top four right now. They have Stevenson, they have Hodgins, they have, uh, they have Jake Kumaro. Um, they can more than get by with those top four guys this year. And maybe it's more of an emphasis next year. So just it's that's just like I became less and less uh, convinced that they would take a receiver early. They still might, but uh, I think I think there are stronger cases to me- be made for other positions with like one of their first th- first three round picks. Uh, I I I personally think that if they take a running back at twenty five, that player would be more impactful this year than the receiver would. Um, oh yeah, especially oh, yeah. especially if it's a guy like Brees Hall who, and this even advances the conversation, right? Because like to just talk about Gabe Davis has two years left in his rookie deal. Um, certainly sounds like a guy they're going to want to extend on a long term contract mm-hmm. based on the way Brandon Bean talked about him yesterday. Uh, Stefan Diggs is here for the long term. Like Singletary is a a free agent at the end of the year. 
And do they trust anybody else on their roster to run the ball rather than Devin Singletary right now? Maybe. So what happens? Maybe Duke Johnson. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, please. Maybe. Veteran minimum. Yeah, he's 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 this year's TJ Yeldon, Matt Breida. And if they draft a guy, they might they might cut him. But what? Yeah, but you, you termed it perfectly. Maybe Duke Johnson. Like, they're not trusting Zach Moss no. in that role. Devin Singletary, they don't want him to do it all his own. Is he the exact fit of what they're looking for at the running back position? Doesn't give give you that home run option. Um, you know, he's a good, not great pass catcher. Can, you know, get through some tackles. Uh, gives you some really nice runs. And he came out strong last year. So you don't want to take anything away from Devin Singletary. But again, he's in the final year of his deal. And there's nothing behind him. And so that's why I keep kind of coming back to this 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 running back idea. I, I will say about the cornerbacks quickly because I know we're we're running short on time here. Um, I found it really interesting. Like, and I I texted you and our buddy Jeff this morning um, about you know Brandon Bean had a quote about how we don't feel like you know there's some there's some good players this year in the cornerback draft. You know, it's not one of those years where if you miss out miss out on one early that you're not going to be able to get one later on. And like, the amount, it was the perfectly vague sentence to where no matter what side you land on for, for a cornerback, whether or not you want them to wait on one or you want them to take one, you could you could find your your smoking gun yeah. In, yeah. in that answer. So I, I texted Beauvais and our buddy like a, a screenshot of two straight replies. <laughs> one was like, oh, they're lock it in, corner at 25. And the other one's like, yep, definitely gonna wait wait on that corner now. <laughs> and they happen within one minute of that's each other. Perfect. It was just priceless. That's that's what Bean does when you're talking when you ask him um very clear and distinct questions about individual positions and the needs at those positions. The 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 better intel. I've noticed from him is gained when you're asking him more philosophical stuff Absolutely. above all else. And it's funny because when we get back to the cornerback position, we get back to the cornerback conversation. I feel like this is a conversation we've been having for several years. And I don't necessarily think it's more pertinent to address now than maybe it even was last year. I guess it depends on how much you think Tredavious White is going to be limited, if at all, this season because of the injury. But I mean, yeah. I remember last year as we were heading into the first round of the draft, everybody was talking about pass rusher, cornerback, and I think it was probably just those two. Those are like the big thing. Maybe, oh, and running back because, you mm -hmm. know, we had the whole Travis Etienne. ETN. Yeah, the Travis Etienne thing. Um, Which I've come around on. I think they were in on him last year. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they were because of the skill set that he has. And then even after they chose Greg Rousseau in the first round, which was a consensus, people were like, yeah, makes sense. They need pass rushers. He's a billion feet tall. It makes sense. But then we got to the second round, and I'm not going to remember his name, but there was the cornerback from Syracuse who I feel like my – Oh, Obi Melifonwu? Yeah, I feel like everybody was like – No, if he had to, Melifonwu. Obi's his older yeah. brother who went and, who was from UConn. They were like, Sorry. oh, they're going to take that guy. Absolutely no questions asked. Run the card up. You got your pass rusher. You got your corner. And they were like, now nah, we're going to take another guy on the defensive line because we value that position. And they took Boogie back. And if, we did, and if they didn't get that guy, they would have traded down. So that's what came out after the draft. So that's what I mean. Like, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely mm -hmm. a possibility. But if you told me cornerback or the fields, I think I would take the fields. Mm, that's that's interesting. Um, I think I probably would as well. Uh, the position, like, Safety is something that intrigues me, even if they don't move up for Kyle Hamilton. Like Lewis Seen out of Georgia, I think is a really strong fit for what they like out of Jordan Poyer. Like he's like he's a he's a huge hit and a huge crowd reaction waiting to happen every single play. He's he's so much fun. Um and then linebacker is another sneaky one. Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. Could could be could be in the equation here. But, you know, first round. We'll see. Um, oh, the other the other thing I'll say because we we talked about running back a bit today. Found it very interesting that um, you know not that Brandon Bean like was like yeah we're gonna you know we've got guys who are running backs that have a first round grade this year, but just doubling down on the fact that they would do it, and he offered up even more information than he did last year um, when he was asked. 
you know, is it more your philosophy just to go with mid-round running backs? And he, or was that just how the board felt? Exactly. And he yeah. said, it's just the way it falls. We've had guys on our board in the first round since I've been here that are running backs. We have. And one of the I, – I mentioned that quote in in my most recent Bean Takeaway piece at uh, at The Athletic. And one of the first comments were, okay, so he had a first-round grade on Saquon Barkley. So what? It's like plural. Yeah. He said, guys, running backs – which mean, and you go back in the history, there's like Josh Jacobs, who was uh, a late first, uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, um, Rashad Penny was a, was a first-round pick. I'm not sure they had a first-round grade on him. McCaffrey? But, uh, McCaffrey was, he was back when Bean was in Carolina. Okay. But that's another part. That of it. adds to Bean it. Dra- that adds to it. Well, not, not only McCaffrey, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. We're both first round picks of the Panthers, late first round picks. Interesting. I mean, I don't think it's impossible. I, I think the way and they don't need to care about this. They they don't. If they think that Brees Hall makes that big of a difference, then they're going to take Brees Hall. I think the mm-hmm. way that the pick becomes consensus, like there's a consensus that people like the pick is if they can trade back a little bit, get some sort of asset, take him. But I don't but I agree with you. I don't think I, I don't think they care about that. But I think yeah, I think the typical Bills fan who doesn't want them to take him in the first round will be much more comfortable with the pick if he's taken at 35 as opposed to 25 and they get an additional third round pick because of it. And then they end up taking some guy who's I don't know, or if it allows them to get the punter like down the road or something because everybody wants him to take him. All, all I'll say is the year of the 2018 NFL draft, the majority of Bills fans did not want them to draft Josh Allen. And look how I know. that has become. However, I, I do, I do. it's not like, you know, apples to apples here because one is a quarterback and the yeah. other is a running back. And there's a generally conceived notion that running backs are not important. But I do think they're, they're making a slight comeback in, in their importance, especially ones that can catch passes out of the backfield. And just be the too high safety is, is yeah. the biggest thing because it it it, it makes teams um, have to not be able to you know just drift back into these coverages and and allow them to you know really slow down where the offense is at their best. And a couple other counter and a couple other additional points to that is one now they have Aaron Cromer who by all accounts seems to be somebody that just Zone. understands how to scheme running back you know scheme offensive line play mm-hmm. that allows the running back to you know just be explosive out of zone and then the second thing to that is when you look at how the Bills played down the stretch last year there is a correlation between what Devin Singletary started to do and how the offense started to become that much more dangerous and that much mm-hmm. more efficient so being said you're ta- I I understand it's a premium asset I I totally understand that but if they end up making the Brees Hall pick, like it, it's okay to just let it let it play out and see mm-hmm. how he is. Because, like, obviously we're talking about different players here, but could you imagine the Bills offense with Jonathan Taylor a couple of years ago or with a guy that's, you know, maybe just even one step down? Like, they haven't had that. Brees Hall is extremely impressive. I, I would urge people to, you know, Take the the first round discussion out of your mind and go watch that guy. Um, he is there is a lot of what he does that translates into how I think they want their offense to be this year. Um, so we'll see. I don't think it'll be like completely zone or anything like that, but I do think they want to incorporate more zone principles. There's one because- reason I don't want them to take Brees Hall. And it's because of the whole Paul Hamilton dynamic with Iowa State. <laughs> Why? Because he went to Iowa State. Exactly. And I know that Paul would love the pick. And that means that by just, I have to hate the pick. But I do think he's a very good player. I will say, like, Paul, back when, I, I forget what year it was, I went to the Senior Bowl when Alan Lazard was there. And he texted me. And he was like, hey, how's my guy Lazard doing? And, and I'm just like, actually, he looks pretty good. I, th- I think uh, I think he might might have a nice little career for himself. And, and since that day, he's like, oh, you told me about Lazard. <laughs> that's, so, how I feel, that's how I feel about Cooper Cup. Because I remember no, you going to the Senior Bowl. And no, every, like, everybody saw that about Cooper Cup. He's, he's insanely talented. Um, I think he burned like a on a on one of the no that wasn't him I I, I I'm I'm mistaking that with with a Zay Jones video that I took way back ah uh, is that talk about a blast for the past Zay freaking Jones all right 
Uh, I think that'll wrap it up for us here on this edition of the Buffalo Beat. Matt Bovey, thank you so much for joining us as always. It was uh, tons of fun, and and uh, we appreciate you you coming on this episode. Of course. Happy almost draft day. <laughs> Happy almost draft day. We still have a few more sleeps to go. All right. So for Matt Bovey, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. And we will talk to you for another pre-draft episode early next week. See you then.